Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. Lord, we welcome you into this place. Lord, your spirit is here, and we feel freedom here. We feel liberty here. And so, Lord, we know that where your spirit is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And so we thank you, Father. We declare that you are our king. You are the king, immortal, lifted up, Father, eternal. Lord, we declare you are our king. We declare our dependence upon you. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father, for being here and being with us today. So, Lord, we're getting ready to open up your word. We pray that as we open up your word, you would speak to us through your word. We pray that your spirit, God, would just let your word come to life in us and turn on a light in our mind and in our heart. And so, Lord, we give you these moments. We give you this time. We just ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Good to see you guys this morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, I know we've just come through uh, Thanksgiving and we're headlong into Christmas. And so this message is kind of a transition point from where, we, wh- where we've been. We've been talking about the idea of more that uh, we came out of a series. Thank you, Pastor Trent. We came out of a series uh, called More um, where we believe that God has made you for more. And so we've, we've talked a lot about that. And so this morning we're going to go to John. If you got your Bible, go to John chapter 6, John chapter 6 this morning. I just want to say a very special welcome. I know we've got some, so I've got some friends here, some, some, uh, a lot of different friends here this morning, so welcome. We're glad that you're here. But I've got uh, my old college roommate is here, uh, him and his wife and his, his son. Uh, and so uh, Kevin and Jen and Benjamin, I think Benjamin's back in kids' church, but it's great to have them with He pastors over in Sumter, South Carolina. So we got both sides of the border locked down, guys, Georgia and South Carolina. We got it. We got it. So... Uh, Amen, amen. I don't know about Alabama, so if you're from Alabama, somebody we need some help over there. Bobby's got that. He's got that. But listen, we're glad that you're here this morning. So if you got your Bible, we're going to um, John chapter six today. Now, now I am notorious uh, about doing dumb stuff. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Some of you guys do that too. Um, but let me be a little more specific about what I'm talking about. Sometimes I have a fear sometimes that when there's an event, when there's a meal that we have to prepare, that if we have people over to our house, uh, that there won't be enough food. Anybody? Do you ever have those? Yeah. You ever have those fears? You know, and so, um, and so what I do is I compensate for that in a, in a overcompensate for that basically. Um, and so last year we had the elders over to our house to have the elders dinner and there was only, uh, I think there was about six to eight people that were coming, but I bought enough salad. I bought a bag of salad. Everybody had their own bag of salad. All right. Because I was going to make sure, sure, if we ran out of anything, we were not going to run out of salad, that you were going to get some lettuce, tomatoes, and some croutons, okay? And so, and I had way more salad. We had all the salad left. It was like the, the party was over, and we're like, man, we got a lot of salad left. Who else can we invite over to eat salad with us, you know? And we had to give it to the rabbits. Uh, but it was, it, that's what I do, and, and that's kind of a fear of mine. I don't know if anybody else is like that, that you go over and aboard, uh, over and above more than what you have to because you want to make sure uh, that you have leftovers. And I kind of want to talk about that today, the idea of leftovers, the idea that uh, maybe your refrigerator is slammed full of leftovers. Anybody? Anybody? No. You ate all your leftovers. Okay. All right. Well, 
I, for, for some of us, we have leftovers in the refrigerator. We were making sure that mom and grandma did not have anything left at their house because we had to-go plates and to-go boxes. And some of us just packed an entire U-Haul truck full of leftovers and brought it home. But, but sometimes leftovers, um, you know, we like them and we don't like them. So I'm, I'm kind of weird like that. For Thanksgiving, I do uh, because I like eating turkey sandwiches after Thanksgiving, right? You get a piece of white bread, put some mayonnaise on that thing, and just a little bit of pepper, put some cold turkey on it. Man, I'm good to go. Don't mess with me. Just let me go get in my chair, turn on some TV, and eat my turkey sandwich, right? I'll do the leftovers that way. But then at other times, I'm, I'm not so good with the leftovers. At other times, I discard leftovers like it's the plague. Uh, and so it, the, the staff knows this, that in the office, if we have leftovers in the refrigerator, I am not. I'm like, mm, you know, is that a couple hours old? I'm good. I'm not touching it, you know, because I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of like that when it comes to leftovers. Mostly on most days, think I don't know why I am like that with Thanksgiving. Um, so this morning, I want us to talk about this idea of leftovers in John chapter six. Let's go there. John chapter six, beginning in verse one, is where I'm going to start reading. And this is a familiar story, I'm sure, to to many of you. If if not, just hang with us. We'll tell you a little bit about this. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. This is what it says. And it says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. And now the Passover of the feast of the Jews was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then, and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to him to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not, uh, would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, said to him, there is a, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. And what, what, are, uh, what are they to so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And now there's, there was much grass in the place. And so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when Jesus had, had given thanks, he distributed them among those who were seated. And so also the fish as much as they wanted. Get that now. It wasn't that he was having to ration out a little bit here, a little bit there. They, they got as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And I want to stop right there. And so uh, when I look at this story, and I just want to kind of set this up for you and kind of give you a little bit of context about the story. People were already kind of following Jesus because Jesus was healing, healing the sick. Uh, he was doing these miracles and, um, you know, if, if you've got a f- somebody, a friend like that, you kind of want to be where they're at, right? Uh, anybody want to be where Jesus is at? I do. I mean, wherever Jesus is at, that's where I want to be. So when they see Jesus get in a boat 
and he goes about four miles across the lake, and they can see where he's going, so he's, he's in this boat, and he goes four miles across the lake. They hightail it around the lake, and so they go around on the rim of the lake, which is about a, about a nine-mile journey around the rim of the lake. And so uh, they're hightailing around to get to where Jesus is at because they know where he's going. And Jesus gets there, and he sees these people coming. Now, how many of you know you got people sometimes that just kind of follow you around? You know, anybody, you got, uh, you got maybe they're called your kids, you know, right? Any, any, anybody got toddlers, you know, mom, you go to the bathroom, mom, 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 mom. It's like, please leave me alone. Please, please just leave me alone for a little bit, right? And, and I, I, I get that. I understand that. And sometimes we, we have people that just want to be where we're at. And so that's where these people were at. They wanted to be where Jesus was at. And for good reason, because Jesus was changing people's lives. And so they wanted to be where Jesus was at. So they followed Jesus around. Now, the great thing about Jesus was he didn't, he didn't look at them and say, ooh, man, you made a long trip for nothing. Uh, yeah, it's your problem. You know, it's too bad. So sorry, too bad. Got to go. You know, he didn't do that. Jesus, what he does is he sees their need and he steps into it. And I love that. How many, how many times maybe have you, and don't, don't answer this out loud, this is a rhetorical question, maybe how many times you saw somebody in need and just kind of, well, you know, I'm going to go the other way, right? Uh, or maybe you saw somebody you didn't really want to talk to because every time you see them, you say, how are you doing? And they actually wind up telling you how they're doing, you know, for the next three hours, you know, this is how I'm doing. You know, so when you see them coming, you just kind of, well, I didn't even see you at the grocery store. Man, how did I miss you, you know? And so Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not step away from them. What Jesus does in this story is he steps to them. He steps into their problem. He steps into their situation. And once again, I'm reminded about that's what this season is about, what we're moving into, why we sing these songs about joy is because this is a season where we remind ourselves that God is Emmanuel, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us us, where God steps into our mess, where God steps into our drama, where God steps into our problems. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus stepped into their problem. Jesus stepped into their situation and he begins to, uh, he begins to, to do his work. And so he begins to ask, he's like, Hey, uh, we got to buy these, we got to get these guys some food. And so, uh, so his disciples are like kind of incredulous. What are you talking about? How are we going to get these people food? I mean, there's not enough food around here to, to feed all these people. And even if there were, it would take like six to eight months worth of salary to feed all these people. And so where are we supposed to get that, Jesus? And, and Jesus basically just tells him, he says, hey, just sit down. Just sit down. You ever had to tell somebody just to sit down? You know, just sit down. You're in, you're in my way. My kids, I don't know why they like to do this when we're eating dinner. My kids, I can't get them. I, I, man, they're sitting down every other time. You can't even get them to get up. They're like on the video game. But when it's time to eat, they're like up around the table. Hey, how you doing? They're like, would you please just sit down at the table and eat with us? You know, and so that's what Jesus does. He, t- he has to tell them, I'm in good company with Jesus. Jesus says, why don't you sit down? You need to sit down. He makes them sit down, has them sit down, and he, he begins to, uh, before he begins to distribute the bread, something happens, and it's, this is important that I thought uh, when Jesus does this. Um, if, if you've ever noticed that with Jesus, gratitude always precedes the gains. And that's with Jesus, that's what we see here. That with Jesus, gratitude always precedes the gains. That Jesus, he stops before he does any miracle, he gives thanks. 
Anybody gave thanks this past week? Anybody, have you been thankful maybe over the last month? Just trying to be intentional about being thankful. Some of you have made social media posts like every day. This is what I'm thankful for and this is what I'm thankful for. Some of you guys are just kind of maybe you write it down in a journal. And so, and so that's what Jesus does. He is intentional about this. He stops what he does. He knows where he's going with this. But before he goes there, he stops and he gives thanks. Because he knows what's about to happen. He knows the source. He gives the Father thanks because this proceeds from the Father. And so Jesus, he stops and with gratitude he gives thanks. And gratitude should always precede our gains. That we give, God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. Maybe 2020 has been a rough year for you, but have you got something to give God thanks for? Maybe, maybe this year you've just had to be extra mindful. God, I, I give you thanks for where you stepped in on this moment. And I, give you, I give you thanks for where you stepped in here. God, I, th- I thank you, God, that you didn't allow this to happen. But, God, you brought this around and this did happen. So, God, I give you thanks for this. And so we're mindful of this. And so that's what Jesus does. He stops and, and Jesus allows gratitude to precede the gains. But what Jesus does, then he is he takes what they have. And can you imagine this little boy? This little boy that's got these five loaves of bread, barley loaves, two fish, and he, he gives them up, which is a miracle in itself, right? Have you ever tried to take food from a little kid? I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I, I buy my kids, you know, like candy and stuff, and my kids, I bought them like Skittles before, you know, and I remember I bought, I can't remember if it was Ken or Kobe, I bought them some Skittles, and I said, hey, you know, let me, can I have some of those? And I'm like, These are my Skittles. And I'm like, what, 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 what? I bought those Skittles. So those are my Skittles that I'm letting you have some of, right? And so sometimes we have to remind them where the Skittles come from, you know? Sometimes, though, God has to remind us of where our Skittles come from. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes God has to remind Ryan of where the Skittles come from. Sometimes God has to remind me of the things that, you know, I have. And God says, who allowed you to have that? Who allowed you to have this opportunity? Who allowed you to have that skill set? Who allowed you to do this job? Who allowed you to have this person in your life? And then I I just have to begin at God, thank you. You are the one. God, you are my source. And so I think it's important here that we see that, that this little boy, he allowed himself to be used by what God wanted to do. Actually, this is the next thing I want you to understand is this. Jesus takes whatever we have and turns it into enough. He does. Jesus takes whatever we have and turns it into enough. Where I am always kind of, is is this going to be enough? Is this going to be, do we have enough food? You know, and sometimes I'm kind of fretful in that. And maybe it's not even, do we have enough? Maybe we ask the question, am I enough? Am I enough to meet this situation? Am I enough to you know, walk this road that I'm on? Am I enough? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? You know, I don't, this is a crisis in my life. God, do I have enough to get through this? And sometimes we ask that question, and it's a legitimate question to ask, but we should always follow it up with this, that whatever I have, God takes that and turns it into enough. Whatever I have and and whatever, God, you take that and you turn it into enough because God is our source. 
And God is, is what we trust. God is who we trust. So Jesus takes this little boy's lunch, and he gives thanks, and he begins to break it. And begins to, they begin to pass it out. They begin to pass it out and um, pass it out to when everybody has everything that they want. They're, they're filled till they're full. Anybody, you were full on Thursday. How many of you are still full? I mean, you ate enough on Thursday. You just walked in here and you're like, oh, man, I just need to sit down, right? I mean, seriously. That, I mean, I, I, I hit Raina's mom's house. I hit my mom's house, you know, and, and there's enough food there to feed armies. of. And so uh, I get it. I get it. But these people, it wasn't like Jesus just had to say, oh, just you get like three and don't eat any more than that, okay, because we're going to be in trouble. Jesus wasn't worried about that. It, it says that Jesus gave out till they had enough and they were able to eat their fill i love that that god is able to provide enough to fill our life that jesus is enough to fill our life actually he reminds us in in in, in the book of john john 10 10 it says the thief comes to still kill and destroy he says but i have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly actually the idea there is uh, more abundantly is like overflowing it's, it's almost if you had a glass and, and God's pouring into your glass and it gets to the top. And it's like, well, he'll stop now. Nope, he just keeps pouring and it overflows and it overflows. That's the idea there that we get that, that Jesus says, I am that life that wants to overflow into your life. And so you can overflow with life. And so Jesus takes whatever we have and he turns it into enough. But let me ask this question. What did Jesus do with the leftovers? What did Jesus do with the leftovers? What do you do with the leftovers, right? You know, do we discard the leftovers? I mean, after a while we do, right? Because that's just safe, right? That's just that's sanity to, to discard the leftovers. It's like you got to get rid of that. After a while, you know, that, that, that's, that looks like kiwi. It is not kiwi, right? It's growing something on it, but that you shouldn't eat that. Don't put that in your mouth, right? So we understand this. We understand that uh, sometimes we have to let things go. But Jesus, what Jesus does is this, and this is what it says. He says, he tells them, he says to the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. See, you need to understand this. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything, especially not your pain. God doesn't waste anything. There's a story that um, I heard about a young man in seminary, and he was studying theology, and, and he went to this bookstore and he found this book on how to speak Russian. And he bought this book on how to speak Russian, and uh, he takes it back, and he just studies it in, in, his, in his spare time and in the little time that he has when he's not having to study theology. And his friends kind of make fun of him. You know, hey, you're, you're, you're studying Russian. Why are you studying Russian? You know, who are you, you going to speak Russian to? And so he, he, he leaves seminary and goes into the army. He gets inducted into the army and goes in as an army chaplain. Uh, this was during World War II, and they send him to the European theater, and he's, he's stationed there, and he's seeing all this warfare. He's seeing just this horrendous sights of men dying, and just death and destruction and weariness 
all around him. And he lays on his bedroll one night, and he's just laying there looking up at the stars. He's saying, I don't, I don't know that I'm enough for this, God. Why, why have you brought me here? Why have you brought me to this point? God, why, why, do you, why have you brought me to this place? Because I just don't feel like I'm prepared for this. I don't feel like they trained me for this in the seminary. If you could ever be prepared for this. And out of the darkness, there's a cry. The medic comes and, 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 and says, Chaplain, I need you. And he calls the chaplain out. And he brings him to this young man who's just writhing, writhing in pain. And he's screaming out. and He's crying. And he's speaking, but they don't understand what he's saying. And what they realize is that he's a Russian soldier who's gotten separated from his group. And he's been wounded. And this chaplain is able to kneel down and take just a little bit of Russian that he knows, and he's able to speak to him, and he's able to understand him in fragments. And the chaplain is able to, he knows enough Russian to be able to pray with this young man. And this young man dies. And the chaplain steps back, and he, th- he just looks, and he thinks, God, did I learn this little bit of Russian just for this one moment. Was that insignificant amount of time, that hobby that I had where I'm studying these little throwaway moments just seems like it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. These, these moments where nobody, this useless knowledge that I'm packing my brain with, God, was it all just for this one guy? I believe so because God doesn't waste anything. See, God doesn't waste anything in our life. God won't waste anything in your life. God won't waste your pain. God doesn't waste your crisis. God doesn't waste any of the thing that you have, you've walked through, any of the drama that you've been presented with. God sees it. God knows it. And he doesn't throw away the scraps. See, it's actually more like a compost pile, I guess, where we a lot of times take and take the scraps and we just shove them in the trash can. Compost pile, what do you do? You take them and you, you pile them up because after a while, you're going to use that. You're going to use, now that stinky pile of mess, you don't want to go out there and play in it. You don't want to go out there and and have lunch around it, right? Because that was the previous lunch that you had a few weeks ago, right? You don't want to go out there and hang out around it. But what you understand is this, is that compost pile and everything that was left over actually becomes the fertilizer for what becomes new later on. See, yesterday's debris becomes the dirt for tomorrow's dreams. Yesterday's compost pile becomes the place where God plants you and you begin to look and say God how are you going to use this and what he does is he uses it for ground to cause you to flourish he uses it for ground to cause your life to flourish and to grow and you begin to look back and say God thank you for what you used thank you for using the leftovers thank you for using the scraps because God you don't waste anything See, God takes leftovers and transforms them into makeovers. I'm going to ask somebody to come play as I wrap this up. I don't know where you're at if this year you felt like a leftover. 
Maybe this year you feel like you're just kind of left over. Maybe this year, maybe that's not it. Maybe this year you feel like you're starting over. Maybe you're at that place. Maybe this year you feel like you're starting over. Maybe, maybe this year you feel like you're having to do things over again. You feel like, man, I've been in this place before and I'm going to have to do it over again. Maybe that's what you feel like. You feel like a leftover. You feel like a start over. You feel like a do over. But I think that's why God specializes in makeovers. Because he takes what we have left. He takes your life and what you have left whether good or bad. And he can do something amazing with it. He takes your life and he can bring forth new life. He takes what you have, your stories of heartache, of tears, of pain. And in the, that, that dirt of drama, in that dirt of heartache, God begins to work in it. He can make something new begin to grow. He can make something good come from something that didn't seem very good at all. Because that's what God does. God doesn't discard the leftovers. God doesn't waste anything, especially not our pain. In 1995, there was a, a girl by the name of Brooke. Brooke was 16 years old, and, and Brooke... She had this backpack, and in this backpack, she had this little cassette tape. Anybody remember cassette tapes? Okay, yeah. Some of you are like, what's a cassette tape? Cassette tapes, you know, that's what we listen to music on. So she had this cassette tape in her backpack. On that cassette tape, all that was on it was a song that her dad had uh, wrote and had put on that cassette tape for her. He had wrote this song, and he had played it and, and sang it, and he put it on this cassette tape for Brooke, and she carried it around in her backpack and listen to it every so often just to remind herself this is what my dad thinks of me this is how my dad feels about me well her dad his name is Bob Bob had this album that he was actually trying to work on and his producer told him said Bob you need one more song Bob this, this album's not finished and so you gotta have at least one more song to put on this album so that we can finish it out Bob didn't know what he was gonna do he didn't have another song he was kinda at his kind of rope at the end of the rope with, with everything he'd put out there. He's like, he's kind of I'm spent. I don't have anything else. And then he remembered this song that he had given to Brooke. And he asked Brooke, he said, hey Brooke, he said would you mind if we take that song and just let me put that on this album? She said, sure dad. And they took that song and in 1997 two years later that song became one of the most popular hits on the radio because this guy's name was Bob Carlisle and the song was Butterfly Kisses. And it was a song that was just a, a kind of a, an insignificant thing that was just between him and his daughter. It was just something small that was between him and his daughter, you know, and it's just something they shared and it blew up and became songs that got sang, a song that, that got played at weddings over and over and over again. I actually had a lady in our first service who told us, she said, before my dad passed away, he would sing me that song. God doesn't waste anything, especially not your pain. 
Listen, this morning, guys, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what life has handed you. But all I know is this, is that Jesus loves you. And whatever you have left, whatever leftover you have, he's not throwing it away. You're not a throwaway. You're a keeper. And he intends on doing something with you. So will you stand with me this morning? Can we sing this song together?
feel like maybe there's someone in here you felt like left over, you've been put out, maybe cast aside, you need to know that you're here for a reason. And that Jesus loves you and he has way more for your life. But I want you to bow your head right now, guys. I want you to bow your head. And, and I, just, I just want you to just think about this right now. This is the prayer that I want us to pray. God, do a makeover in me. God, do a makeover in my life. And so whatever I've come through, whatever my life has been littered with, God, do a makeover in my life. And so this morning, I want us to pray that prayer. And maybe this morning you, you're here and, and you don't know Jesus and, and you don't know him in a way where you have a relationship with him. And this morning, I just want you to pray that, that God do a makeover in my life. God, do, don't cast me aside. God, do a makeover in my life. And so I want us to pray together. So, Lord, we come to you. And we pray, Father, that you would do a makeover in us. That you don't throw away the leftovers. You don't cast us aside. You don't push us out. God, you're present in the middle of our problem. You actually step into our drama. You step into our problems and not away from our problems. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for not running from us, but running to us. Thank you, Lord, that when you come to us, your arms are wide open and you invite us to come to you and bring whatever we have and whatever it is, a messed up life or, or maybe it seems like the perfect life, whatever extreme it may be on, Lord, you invite us to bring it to you holy. So that's what we do right now. We bring our life. We bring the fragments of our life and we ask, Lord, that as you gather them together, make us over. Do something in us. Create something in us. Create a clean heart in us. Forgive us of how we walked away. Lord, I pray that you would establish relationship with us. This is not religion. But God, this goes beyond religion where we have relationship with you. And we can know that you are a God that loves us and you step into our lives to do something beautiful and to make something beautiful grow. So, Lord, that's what we pray right now. We thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name.